just want to start a flame in your heart. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is the 21st of September, 2020. It's a pretty interesting day, I might add, as so much has happened over the weekend. I told you, tons is going to happen after Labor Day. Pulling the pin on all sides, aren't we? So where to start today? Where do we start? Do we start on, they're already starting to impeach Barr since Barr is following through? Do we start on, pulled the pin on Scotus Gate that started on 5-5? She's been gone for a while, hence the list. We were going to pull the pin. They knew. They knew. And there's going to be so much more coming. Assange. Hmm. New things are coming out on that. New things are coming out on that. So much is happening. Uh, the, the left, organized anarchists, organized domestic terrorists coming together. There is so much to talk about. And it's kind of like, well, where do we start? How do we start? TikTok, saved by the bell. Walmart, Oracle, pretty interesting. So there is, <laughs> I mean, we got to pick something though, right? We can't just say, all right, well, that's all that happened. There is a lot that is going on. And I think we should start with the elections. I told you, remember, remember the 5th of November. By the way, I actually scrapped up and found, it was on a computer that had been corrupted, my November 5th, twenty. Uh, 18 episode that I never aired. Uh, I didn't upload it. It was my first one. It was pre-recorded just in case on my first day uh, when I had my own show, uh, it came out wrong or I did things wrong. I had pre-recorded it. Then I lost it. I placed it in a safe place on, on my computer. Uh, <laughs> then I found it and I was like, you know what? Since it's so awesome, I'm going to keep it for the 5th of November, 2020. Cause it's going to be perfect for that. And so I actually found it. Um, so I'll be putting that up on election day. Uh, so we can see it. So, wow. What's interesting is almost like a two year on the dot Delta with, uh, everything going on from articles that I wrote the FISA D class. I mean, there is, you know, we, we have SCOTUS gate to talk about. Let's, uh, Let's talk ballots. We also have ballots to talk about. There's so much. Let's start with the ballots. The president had an interview with uh, a fellow MIC. <laughs> All right. Let's just take a listen. I'll stop the jabs. I get so frustrated because I actually watched a um, preview of a video that I was going to put out talking about Assange. And I was frustrated because, you know, they were talking about how they're going to be in trouble, how uh, journalists are going to be in trouble. Uh, if, yeah, if things, if they get Assange or anything like that. So it was so weird. Uh, so, so weird. Um, and I'll play that for you. And, and it actually set the tone for my frustration, but nevertheless, let's start with our president talking about the mail-in ballot situation. Here we go. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. This is Life, Liberty, and Levin. Mr. President, it's an honor to see you. I thank you for taking the time. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not promoting Bob Woodward's book. 
I'm not promoting any of these books. I'm not looking for headlines. An honest-to-God interview where you can provide information to the American people and differentiate yourself from your opponent. And it may shock the American people to know there's actually two candidates in this race. Press covers you, but they don't much cover Joe Biden very much. I want to start with the, uh, the vaccine. I'm watching the news coverage, and for some reason, the media and the Democrats are very hostile to a vaccine. They're very hostile to a vaccine coming out quickly. They're trying to politicize this. The nine CEOs of these pharmaceutical companies, including Pfizer, have said, we're not cutting corners, we're following the science. Why do you think there's such hostility from the Democrat Party, from my perspective, in the media about getting a vaccine in record time? They want to denigrate it. This started about three weeks ago because they started hearing the rumors that we were going to have this vaccine in super record time. So instead of saying, wow, that's great, it's going to save a lot of lives and people are going to be protected and this whole thing will end faster, it's going to end anyway, but it's going to end faster, they started denigrating it. I noticed it about three weeks, they started denigrating it. And the reason they're doing that is because they think I'll get credit if we have a vaccine anywhere near the election, but certainly before the election, but essentially we're there now anyway, and we're ready to distribute very rapidly. So what they're doing is trying to make it like, ah, that's not such a big deal, when actually it's one of the greatest things that anyone's done. And I'm not saying me, I'm saying anyone. It's so incredible, it's so important. And they've done it in record time. If this were a typical administration, this vaccine wouldn't be ready for two or three years because of the FDA process. I have totally changed the FDA process. Same safety, but the speed is from a different world. And we should have the vaccine approved very soon, up and approved. Plus, we have many companies doing it, great companies, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Moderna. Uh, we have many companies doing it, and almost all of them are having, these, so far, seemingly very good results. They're in phase three trial. That means we're right at the end of the process really looking good and could be really early. And so all of a sudden, instead of saying, wow, this is great news, we're going to have the vaccine early, they're saying, oh, the vaccine's coming out too soon, it's going to be unsafe, it's going to be all of these things, it has nothing to do with the safety. These are great companies, they're not going to put themselves on the line, they would have tremendous liability. So, uh, so it's a tremendous thing that they've done and that we've all done together, then we're ready to distribute it very quickly. And we'll do our senior citizens first, the most vulnerable, as you can imagine, because they're really, as it turns out, we know the disease now, the most vulnerable are senior citizens by far, especially if they have a problem with a heart or if they have diabetes or something, those two in particular. And we'll take care of people. And you would think they'd be happy and thrilled and jumping up and down. Instead, they, they're just, it's just a terrible situation between that, the fake ballots, all of the different things that are going into you know, this whole ballot thing. I call it unsolicited ballots. They used to say universal, but nobody knows what that means. Unsolicited, meaning people didn't solicit these ballots. People are saying, hey, what's going on? I just got a whole patch of ballots. They have no idea who they're sending them to. You know, they're sending them to the wrong people. The military got ballots, and they put my name, and I think they put Mike Pence with somebody else. They had it all separated. It's so messed up, you have no idea. And they know it. They know it. They want it to be a mess, and it's very sad to see. I want to get back to that, but one of the things that troubles me also 
is it's part of the campaign effort by the Harris-Biden administration, as I understand it, uh, by that campaign <laughs> to blame you for deaths that result from this virus. Now, I have here uh, memos that went out in March in New York, in Michigan, uh, in New Jersey, in other states, big population states, right. where the governors ordered coronavirus positive patients into nursing homes, into assisted living homes. You didn't order that, they ordered it. The last data I saw says over 40% of the deaths have resulted from that. Has Joe Biden criticized a single one of those governors? Has no. Joe Biden criticized that policy at all? Look, you know it, and I know it. Joe doesn't know he's alive. If you ask him that question without teleprompters, I don't think he could answer the question. And it's a sad thing that's going on. The whole thing is a sad thing. And you said it before, the Harris-Biden administration. Who would ever say such a thing? I mean, I've been here for quite a while now, almost four years, if you can believe it. I never said the Pence-Trump administration. You don't say that. It's like so unnatural. Who would say what he said? You would think it's impossible unless there's something wrong. It was compounded when she went out and said the, you know, she puts her name first. She's always putting her name first. By the way, she's the most liberal person in the Senate. We've got the most liberal person in the Senate. So uh, it's a sad thing that's going on, and hopefully... Uh, we're going to have a big victory, and I think when we have the victory, it's going to calm down because they're getting tired of losing. We've been beating them at every front, and they're getting tired of losing. But uh, it's going to be an interesting period of time. I do think, and I go back to it all the time because I go to the different states. We go to Michigan. We go to Ohio. We go to every state. But the states where they have the ballots, which is particularly Pennsylvania and Nevada and North Carolina, where they have this whole tremendous amounts of ballots piling in. Nobody knows where they're being sent. I don't think the senders know, or maybe even worse, they probably do know. I think that's going to cause a tremendous disruption on November 3rd. Let me get into this with you, the mail-in ballots in the states, because I've looked at this over the years, even before now. Notice the push for mail-in ballots starting about April. Right. All of a sudden, right. all of a sudden, mail-in ballots, that's the gold standard. Now we know state from state from state, Many of them have never experienced it. Many of them have never experienced the number. The states can't handle it. So here's my theory. Let me, let me get your thoughts on this. Election night comes, and you're the winner. And they're going to say, no, he's not the winner. They're going to bring these lawsuits on the mail-in ballots. We saw them do this in California and other places. Right. Absolutely. Election night, let's say you're behind, and you say, wait a minute. We've got millions of ballots out there. You guys put this process in place. Now we want to wait and see. Then they're going to call you a dictator. So either way, they seem to be setting up a narrative. But aren't they basically undermining the integrity of the electoral process? Look, they know it doesn't work because there have been many races using this over the last 14, 15 months. And I heard there was one yesterday or the day before yesterday. The ballots are so mixed up. They have millions of ballots going out. When little races like in New York or the one in Patterson, New Jersey or Virginia or many other locations, and we're now finding out about the one from over the last couple of days, we're talking about numbers like 30% and 40% off. We're not talking 1%, which is too much because you can lose by 1%. 1% is a lot. But they're off by 30, 40% sometimes. Ballots are missing. There's fraud. 
now they have a new thing where they don't want to verify signatures because that makes it easier. So you don't have to verify a signature. You see that one in Nevada. Uh, it's a very tough situation. I will tell you this. Uh, you go out, you look at these governors and you look at, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to insult anybody, but take a look at some of these governors that are in charge of the ballots beyond partisan, in many cases, political hacks. And it's going to be a very sad day. Look, People should go. Now, if they have an absentee ballot or, you know, I call it a solicited ballot. Where you, I like the word solicited, unsolicited, because people understand it. But you have a solicited ballot or an absentee ballot, that's good because you request a ballot. The ballot gets sent to you. You send it back. You know, you have a very good chance that that's going to work out just fine. But will they just dump millions of ballots all over the country? It's not going to work. It's going to be a disaster. And they know it. They know it's not going to work. It doesn't even work when you have 30,000 ballots. And we're talking about many millions of ballots. Uh, it's going to be mayhem. It's going to be bedlam. And this is what they want. You know, Mr. President, their schemes are out front. They've been scheming for months. They've been game playing what to make sure that you're not president. They're bragging about it to the newspapers. You see article after article about a coup against you. You see article after article about an insurrection against you. You see, you see the farm team out there burning our cities and so forth and so on, and they're threatening even worse than ever Trumpers too. What do you say to the American people about what you're seeing with the Democrat Party, the violence, the media kind of censoring on behalf of the Not Democrat kind of. Party? Very much, yeah. That's the, the, it's never, I've never seen anything like it. What is, and what it is was bad mind? before. Yeah. But it's gotten to a point. They're stone-cold dishonest. The New York Times is stone-cold dishonest. Although I must tell you, they gave great credit for the recent deal with Bahrain and UAE and Israel. I couldn't believe it. They gave me unbelievable. I couldn't have written it better myself. Tom Friedman gave us great credit. But outside of that, literally one story, and we've done things, I mean, that's very significant, but I've done things possibly much more significant than that. They don't give credit. Uh, the Washington Post is is a disaster. You can't get a good story. It's it's disgusting. And then you go to ABC. NBC probably is the worst of all. Comcast. I call it Comcast, not Comcast. It's a con job because they always try and protect the name, like how legitimate they are. NBC is horrible. CBS is a disaster. And then you go into the, the real beauties that MSDNC, as we call it, and, of course, CNN. But at least CNN, you know where they're coming from. You know they're stone-cold dishonest. At least you know that. So it's a, uh, it's a sad thing. I mean, it's a very sad thing. I, fortunately, local press is extremely good. I get great local. Whenever I stop for a speech, I do one or two local reporters. These are the greatest stories. It's like unbelievable. They cover it so good. Actually, they're, they're almost uh, more enthusiastic than I am. And so we have that. We have some honest media. A Fox is, is good, but Fox is not what it was. I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I don't uh, they've become politically correct. You know, they think it's wonderful. They have more Democrats on than they have practically than they have Republicans. I'm complaining about it all the time. You know, with all of that being said, we're doing much better than we did four years ago. And there's much more enthusiasm. You see these boat parades, truck parades, tractor parades. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. We have nothing to do with it. And the enthusiasm is much greater. And I think that's because we've really done a great job. You know, we've done things that nobody thought possible.
Hmm. Things that nobody thought possible we have done. It's uh, quite interesting the way he worded that. And he said a lot of interesting, interesting things. Uh, you know, that the speed is from not of this world. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like a soft tell right there. Uh, speaking of Joe, uh, he made a comment that was uh, very spot on, very true. And you could take it as you want on face value for what he said. And I think it's important that you see what he means uh, from his new uh, advertisement, too. Here you go. It's uh, pretty interesting what he's telling you. Has Joe Biden ever used a teleprompter during local interviews or to answer Q&A with support? What will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Let's move it up here. You know, there used to be a basic part. Joe Biden possibly, you know, reading his responses from a teleprompter. Social distancing and wearing masks, which I never do when I walk outside of this house. I never fail to do. Now, one day, on day one... Has Joe Biden ever used a teleprompter during local interviews or to answer Q&A? It's trying to distract the American people. Can you what? say yes or no, Brett? Yes or no? You can't answer the question. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know... Uh, And now that is a very important ad. See, uh, you know, who do you want as your president is the question. What kind of president do you want? Do you want a president that bows down and starts, you know, falling down in the fetal position or can't respond if someone doesn't tell him what to say? Is that how you respond to other leaders, leaders like, you know, Putin that rides bareback on a bear, a polar bear uh, in negative 40 degree weather? No, that's not the kind of person you want representing your country when things are getting hot. That's not the type of person you want when, uh, you know, things are going down, right? That is how you can tell who's a leader and who's not. See, let's remember President Trump um, in the European Union meeting um, pretty much owning the place. That's exactly the type of leader you want, right? This is the type of leader you want in office representing new you against enemies. That's what you want. Get out of the way. That's what's up. That's the type of leader we want. We don't need a leader that bows. I have been very, very direct with Secretary Stoltenberg and members of the Alliance in saying that NATO members must finally contribute their fair share and meet their financial obligations. But 23 of the 28 member nations are still not paying what they should be paying and what they are supposed to be paying for their defense. This is not fair to the people and taxpayers of the United States. And many of these nations owe massive amounts of money from past years and not paying 
in those past years. Over the last eight years, the United States spent more on defense than all other NATO countries combined. If all NATO members had spent just 2% of their GDP on defense last year, we would have had another $119 billion for our collective defense and for the financing of additional NATO reserves. Look at their smug faces. Don't worry, they're going to take him out. Don't worry. No, they're not. And you're going to have to pay because he is the boss of all bosses. He is a leader, not an apologist like the previous president. Well, the previous president was an apologist because they were propping him up on a pedestal. Uh, so that is how it is. Our president walked in to this presidency with one thing in mind. I am going to make America great again. And he's done that. And he had to release a pandemic, infodemic. They don't want a vaccine because that means their charade ends. It ends. This is the epitome of what a leader looks like. One that understands what battles he can fight and which he needs to dance along to, but remains focused. And one that, unlike others, does not use secret little groups to help him win the war, doesn't get into clandestine type activities to win the war. He uses the people, transparent AF per se. And here he is being transparent at uh, his great American comeback yesterday. Take a listen from this portion on. About NATO, 28 countries. We had six countries that were current. And the, the amount of current is too low, okay? Six countries. I went in, I said, you got to pay. Sorry, you're delinquent. They said, really? Yeah, I said, you're delinquent. You got to pay. Obama would go and make a speech and leave. That would be it. We were paying for it. We're protecting Europe, and they're screwing us on trade. So we protect them and screw us on trade. No good. No good. Can't do it. I said, it's unfair. And the Secretary General Stoltenberg of NATO said, I've never seen, and you, you know, the fake news can call him up and check. He said, he's the greatest that we've ever seen. For 20 years, we, it, the spending at NATO went like this, right? And the America, we pick it up, you know, every time it goes down, they didn't pay. I said, you know, we're supposed to protect you. You're going to be attacked by Russia or somebody. We're supposed to protect you. And yet you're delinquent. You don't pay bills. And that includes Germany. They're paying 1%. They're supposed to pay 2 and 2% is way too low. 2% military spending. So we got, listen to this. It never gets reported by these speakers. We got $130 million more, more, not total, more, going to over three years, $400 billion. So we're going from 130 billion with a B, not million, to $400 billion. And they said to me, they said to me, a very nice guy, head of one of the countries, that it, I can't believe it never got released, but now we can talk about it because it's uh, three years ago. But they said, sir, and this was a big private meeting of all of the nations. 
Does that mean if we don't pay, because I said you got to pay your bills, we're, we're protecting you, you're not paying your bills. Some did, like Poland and some others, but most didn't. We had six to eight were current, and we were paying. Think about it, okay? Think about it. Played you that clip from NATO. I'm playing it for you again. We know what's up right now. We got NATO members neck and neck at war in the Eastern Med. Much more than we should have been paying. Much more. I mean, it's Europe. We've got to defend ourselves. And there was no guarantee that they'd help us if we ever had a problem, right? We're never going to have a problem. We got so much stuff now. We're never going to have. We were depleted. Now we have great. But they said to me, they said to me, does this mean? And I had to give them this answer. I can't believe it didn't get leaked by some sleazebag. We have leakers all over this place. But a lot of it isn't leaks. You know, a lot of it's just made up by the newspapers. They make up phony stories. They say Donald Trump woke up today. He was in a very bad mood. According to sources, there is no source. They just made it up. Hey, I woke up and I was in a bad mood. It's true. I've actually had a, I've been in a good mood because we're doing so much for our country. For so, we've done so much for our country. But at the NATO meeting, one of the presidents of one of the good countries, good, all good, they said, sir, does this mean that if we don't pay, does this mean that you're going to leave and you're not going to protect us? I said, yes, that's what it means. I'm sorry. It was an amazing effect because other presidents said, no, we will always protect you. We will always protect you. Even if you don't pay, even if our taxpayers are paying for everything, even though you take advantage of us on trade, you don't let our cars in, you don't let our stuff in, but you sell us like crazy. Even though you tariff our products, even though you do everything, and then you take advantage of us with the military, they said, we will always protect you. So they didn't pay. Why the hell would they pay? They said, boy, these guys are stupid. So they asked me the question, does this mean, sir, that you will not protect us anymore if we don't pay? I said, I'm sorry to say it does. That's a big story. You know, three years ago, it's a big story. It was amazing how the money came in. So we took in 130 billion a year, going over a three-year period to 400, just because I asked. All right, just because I asked. They don't—they don't report that story. That we got lightweights that I fired, and they write books about me that I'm a bad guy. Oh, he's a terrible guy. He treats our allies so badly. No, our allies treat us badly. Our allies, in many ways, treat us worse than our enemies. I must be honest with you. They take advantage of us. Everyone takes advantage of your country. And we don't we don't put up with it. And you know what? The funny thing, we get along better now because they respect us again. Before they thought we were stupid, they respect us again. I mean, look at Israel. Look what we did. I saw Kerry the other day. Is this guy the worst negotiator? Gave... Iran, $150 billion plus $1.8 in cash. He never walked. You know, sometimes in a negotiation, when you've given everything and you can't give any more, and then they want more, you get up and walk. Remember the bike, bicycle accident? That was the only time he had to ride his bicycle in a race. 73 years old. I promised. I said, I will never, ever, I promise to you, ride a bicycle in a race or any other time, frankly. I will never ride a bicycle during a negotiation. And he broke his leg and his arm and he was all screwed up. And that was actually a good thing because it delayed the signing of that horrible deal, which I terminated. 
No, we had some terrible negotiators. And they all said, I saw him the other day. This was him like a year ago. Mark my words. You will never, ever sign deals with Arab countries, with Israel. It can't be done. Well, we just signed the two great ones. We got about seven more that want to come in. What a bunch. What a bunch. And then they say bad things about your president. They don't like my foreign policy. I like my foreign policy. You like it. Now we were taken advantage of by the whole world. It's so stupid. So stupid. We've spent the last four years reversing the damage that Biden and his crew inflicted on us over a 47-year period. Joe Biden is weak. He's supported, and he supported every globalist sellout of North Carolina, the workers, what he's done. And when I say him, it's him and people in his little group that you've achieved so much over a period of time. He sold it out. Look at NAFTA. How bad was NAFTA? China's entry into the World Trade Organization. TPP would have destroyed our car industry. And of course, he joined and wanted to join the Paris Climate Accord. That's another beauty. That would have cost you trillions and trillions of dollars. That was actually, I think, designed to put us out of business, you know, literally. Biden's repeatedly surrendered your jobs to China and other countries. This state lost 43% of all manufacturing jobs after the NAFTA and China disasters. You know that. You lost 43%, but I think the real number is 61%, by the way. Biden says that this is an election between Scranton and Park Avenue. By the way, he left Scranton. You know, he likes to say, I was born in Pennsylvania. But he doesn't say he left. His father left. Not his fault. But they make it like he's there. No, he went to Delaware. He doesn't leave Delaware. That I can tell you. Every time I see this guy, Wilmington, Delaware, I say, does he ever leave? I'm in Los Angeles. I'm trying to work on the fires. They ought to do some forest management a little bit, maybe. Ridiculous. The floors of the forest, it's got 20 years of leaves and trees that are dry as a bone, matchsticks. Forest management. Actually, this is an election not between Scranton and wherever it is. It's really between Scranton and China. You know that. Scranton and China. I'm with America. Biden is with China. If Biden wins, China wins. If we win, America wins. North Carolina wins. Pennsylvania wins. And the American workers win in every single state. To save our auto industry, I, re I withdrew from this horrible, horrible deal, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Earlier this year, I kept my promise to North Carolina when I ended the NAFTA nightmare. You got hit so hard, all those empty buildings all over the place, but a lot of them now filled up because of us. They filled up. When did they fill up? Over the last three and a half years. I proudly signed a brand new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement into law, which will bring hundreds of thousands of high-paying jobs back to the United States, and it's already doing we invested $2.5 trillion in the U.S. military. Defense spending in North Carolina has soared by more than $1 billion a year. Congratulations. Good job. We launched the first new branch of the U.S. Armed Forces. This by itself would be a big achievement. This is one of so many different things. Right to try. 
the military, the vets, everything. We've done so much, but we, 75 years, right? Last one was the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard. They're so good. We have another one now after 75 years, Space Force in New York. I never even promised that, right? One of them said recently that he's actually done more than he promised in the campaign. That means I'm probably the only politician in history. They will tell you these incredible women up here from North Carolina. They are, stand up, will you please? These are like the most incredible people. Thank you, stand up. Turn around for the camera so they can see how incredible you are. Thank you. Man, oh man, what a life. But we took care of the VA with Veterans Choice. You saw that what Obama passed was nothing. It was nothing, it wasn't working. The Mission Act, that's amazing. And accountability where we can fire people in the VA that aren't taking great care of our vets, okay? You're fired, get out, you're fired, out. We killed the founder and leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi. We took out the world's number one terrorist and the mass murderer of American troops and many others, Qasim Soleimani. He's dead, dead. I withdrew from last administration's disastrous Iran nuclear deal. I kept my promise, recognized the true capital of Israel, and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. And we got it built. I was signing a sheet of paper. You've heard this story. $1.1 billion. I said, what's this for? They said, sir, we're going to, with, now that you've moved, we're going to build an embassy in Israel, in Jerusalem. I say, how much is it? 1.1 billion. I, I, you got some friends of mine here. They're builders. You don't spend 1.1 billion on a one-story building. I don't know what's going on. So I said, so... Does it have to cost so much? Yes, sir. We're buying land. So I called David Friedman. He's our ambassador. He's one of the most successful lawyers in New York. He's a brilliant guy. He loves Israel, right? Loves Israel. I call him. He's ambassador. He's there. I said, David, they want to spend 1.1 billion on a damn one-story embassy. It's crazy. I said, would you take a look? Maybe we own some land, you know. We own a lot of land. We've been there a long time. Calls me back. He said, let me take a look at it, sir. He calls me back the next day. Sir, we have a great piece of land. A much better location that we were going to way overpay for. A much bigger piece. We have a setback building that we can renovate and make it great. I said, that's fantastic, David. How much will it cost to renovate the building? I think we could do it for $190,000. So, so I said, David, it's the first time I've ever done it. I said, David, it's too cheap. <laughs> You got to spend more than that. So a friend of mine, Ron Barron, he's got an office building and he's got Jerusalem stone on the facing the elevators in this high rise building. Jerusalem stone. And every time I go and he goes, oh, you got to see Jerusalem stone. This is and he paid a fortune for it. He's so proud of it. Every, he doesn't talk about anything but his Jerusalem stone. I said, David, do me a favor. You're in Jerusalem, right? Yes. Do they have Jerusalem stone? They got so much we don't know what to do with it. I said, use all Jerusalem stone when you're rebuilding the building, when you do your renovation. Everything will happen in Jerusalem stone. 
So I think we ended up spending to fix up the building like $500,000. Can you believe? We're going to spend $1.1 billion. And by the way, it would never get built. It would never get built. It wouldn't be built in 20 years from now. And they like it so much, they gave up the plan. They think this is better. It's a better location. It's probably a better building. The Biden agenda. But these, I could tell you stories like that all night long. The aircraft carriers that cost 10 times more than they should cost. And then they use, you know, the electric catapults. You've heard that, right? They don't want to use steam. Why? Because it's too simple. Because it works. Because it's better. So they go to electric catapults that they're working on for years now. Elevators that are operated by magnets instead of hydraulic magnets. It sounds good. Trust me, it doesn't work. One little glass of water. We're in the ocean. One little glass of water. Boom. Those magnets are gone. I could have told them that. I actually asked the architect, have you ever built a ship before? It's unbelievable. You heard the story last night about Air Force One. It saved a lot of money. I said to Boeing, no, it's got to have a three in front of it. They were going to buy... Air Force One, 5.7 billion, 5.7 billion. It's a lot of money, but it's, uh, it's, look, it's a hell of a deal. It's a hell of a plane. What can I tell you? I said, how much is the new plane? It was signed by Obama. 5.7 billion, sir. I said, that's a lot of money. It's actually two planes. You know, Air Force One is two planes. I'll give you a little. They're going to say that's classified information. Well, they've been flying around with two planes for 30 years. So I, I assume somebody knows. And our Air Force One is 31 years old, right? So, you know, look, it's time. A lot of the Arab sheiks come in. I see their plane. They have a brand new one. I say, what do we have, 31 years? And we're protecting them. Why the hell don't we have a new one? So I said, so they finally had it, 31 years old. The new one's totally different, 747. It's much longer, bigger wingspan, much more beautiful. You know, it's modern. It's beautiful. 5.7. So I said to the head of Boeing, nice guy, Dennis. This was before they had a difficulty, which is terrible what happened to them. But I said to him, Dennis, I'm not going to spend $5.7 billion on a plane. I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. It's too much. I said last night, I told this the first time, I said, it's got to have a three on it. He said, we can't do it. No. He called me up the following day. We'll take $200 million off. I said, somebody said, well, what are you losing? I said, nothing. In fact, we're gaining a generator. I said, you got to build an extra generator. He said, we'll take 200 million off. He said, nope. I said to the general in charge, I said, general, can we break the deal? Yes, sir, we can. We have a cancellation clause. Good, general. Execute your cancellation clause. We're not going to buy it. I'm not going to pay $5.7 billion for Air Force One. I'm not doing it. He said, yes, sir. I'm very proud of this clause. Why? Why? Because we have the right to cancel. Well, do we have to pay anything? Yes, sir. $250 million. I said, General, don't cancel it. Don't cancel it. Take it back. I don't want Just tell them we don't like the plane. Okay? And I couldn't even say I'm going to buy it from Europe. You know, my only, the only competitor is Europe. I can't say we'll buy it from Europe. No, that doesn't work out too well. So I said, don't do it. I don't want to send them a check. 250 for nothing, right? We don't want to do it. So I said, just tell them we don't like it. The price is too high. We're not going to buy it. But don't send anything. Don't put it in writing. Don't. Please, General. Yes, sir. Thank you. So about a week later, the head of Boeing called me up. He said, look, we can get it down, but you're asking for too much. I said, you don't understand. It has to have a three on it. Not a four, but a three. So another month goes by. I forgot about it. I get a call from Boeing. Would 3.9 billion be okay? I said, yes, that's okay. It's got a three on it. True, true story. 
true story. And then somebody said, it's true. Then somebody said, well, it must be a different thing. Yeah. I said, yeah, we have a much nicer paint job. We have a much nicer paint job. You know that. And uh, it actually got an extra generator put on. Okay. So it's actually more. So they said, well, we could use an extra generator. I said, sir, anything else you need? I said, sir, we could use an extra generator. I said, we'll get it for you. We'll get it. So I had included in the price. You know, these people know exactly what I'm talking about. It's called included in the price. But think of it. There's hundreds of deals like that. But you're one person. And that's why I got Mark Meadows involved. Because he's from North Carolina. He's from North Carolina and he's cheap as hell. I need some cheap people. Oh, there's so many hundreds and hundreds of stories. I could tell you so much. It's crazy. The Biden agenda would collapse our economy and destroy your country. It would destroy your social security and protections for pre-existing conditions. They will. He's going to drain your Medicare by giving away your health care to illegal immigrants. And I will tell you this. You're going to have socialized medicine. That's as sure as you're there. And Obama lied 28 times when he said you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. It was a lie. Said it 28 times that we have. But it was a lie. But now you're really losing your doctor. You're going to have socialized medicine. Eliminate private health care insurance for 180 million Americans who love their health care. They have the best in the world. His running mate sponsored the socialist takeover of health care. You saw that. He wants to ban private insurance. You're going to lose 180 million people going to lose their health care under this Biden character. And he has no clue. They're going to take it away from him. They're going to be running him ragged. Sign this. Sign this. Okay. What is it? Doesn't matter. Just sign it, President, right now. I'm getting tired. I'd like to rest. I'd like to let Kamala take over as president. That's no way to, that's no way to get into the office because we're going to have a woman president someday. But you know what? It can't be Kamala. Kamala. Nobody treated him worse than he picked her. I, I'll tell you, I was brilliant forecast. He could never pick her. She called him a racist, right? She talked about me tooing him. He was going to be me tooed, right? Me tooed. A lot of bad things. There was nobody, even, even, think of it, even Pocahontas treated him better. She knocked the hell out of Bloomberg, but she left him sort of alone. I think she felt sorry for him. I heard she felt sorry for him. I don't want people to feel sorry for our president. I want other people, really, to feel sorry for themselves because we have somebody that knows what they're doing. We can't have this. You know, we can joke, we can play games, we can have fun. You can't have this guy as your president. You can't have... Maybe I'll sign an executive order. You cannot have him as your president. No, but you know this. Everybody knows this. And you know what? People are going to vote for him because they feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him, too. I feel sorry for him. And maybe he'll show up for an hour and a half at a debate. Who the hell knows? I don't know. But you know, you see the condition he's in. You can't have him as your president. And you know what? You can't have her as your vice president potentially going to be president. And that's why they're pushing so hard, because they know he's going to be out very soon. And she's going to take over. And she is the, the furthest left person of anybody she is rated rated not by me she is rated further left than even bernie sanders okay he's second she's first and just in concluding over the next four years we will make america 
into the manufacturing superpower of the world. And we will end our reliance on China and other countries once and for all. We will make our medical supplies right here in the United States. And right here in the great state of North Carolina. By the way, get out and vote, please. Okay. We will hire more police. Thank you, sheriffs. Thank you, sheriffs. I love the sheriff. You know, we got the endorsement from all the sheriffs in Florida, everybody up in Ohio and Texas and every, we have the, the stuff nobody's ever seen anything like it, the endorsements from law enforcement. We're going to increase penalties for assaults and law enforcement. We will ban deadly sanctuary cities. We will defeat, we will defeat everybody that we have to, including the virus, but we will defend the dignity of work and we will defend the sanctity the sanctity of life. We will uphold religious liberty, free speech, and the right to keep and bear arms. We will strike down terrorists who threaten our citizens, and we will keep ever You know this, right? It's okay, right? We will keep America out of these ridiculous foreign wars. We will maintain America's unrivaled military, right? and we will ensure peace through strength. It's about time. We will end surprise medical bills, require price transparency, and further reduce health insurance premiums and the cost of prescription drugs, which we're doing an unbelievable job on, other than the fact that the drug companies are spending a fortune because they don't like me much. You will see drug prices, prescription drugs, dropping 50, 60, 70 percent in a very short period of time. Favored nations clauses. We will strongly protect Medicare and Social Security, and we will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. America will land the first woman on the moon, and the United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Mars. On Mars, we have, you have to see what we've done with NASA. We'll be the first one on Mars, I hope. We will stop the radical indoctrination of our students and restore patriot education to our schools, patriotic education. We will teach our children to love our country, honor our history, and always respect our great American flag. And we will live by the timeless words of our national motto, and we will never change it, by the way, we will never change it. You know, they took the word God out of the Pledge of Allegiance twice. I said, did they make a mistake? Did they make a mistake? They didn't for them. They made a mistake for us. We're not going to put up with it. But we will keep. In God we trust. For years, you had a president who apologized for America. Now you have a president who is standing up for America and standing up for the great people of North Carolina. This is the most important election we've ever had. Remember it. We're going to be a socialist country. We're going to be a communist country. These people are further, they're much further left than socialism. These people are sick. So get your friends, get your family, get your neighbors, get your co-workers, and get out and vote. Get out and vote. And watch to make sure they're not cheating, which they will be.
Early voting has already begun. Don't wait. Get out and vote. We got to win this. If we win this state, we're going to win the whole thing. This is a very important state. If we win North Carolina, we're going to win the whole thing. Because we're doing well everywhere. From Wilmington to Charlotte, from Concord to Raleigh, and from Greensboro to right here in Fayetteville. We inherit the legacy of generations of North Carolina patriots who gave their blood, sweat, and tears for this beloved nation. We stand on the shoulders of American heroes who crossed the oceans, blazed the trail, settled the continent, tamed the wilderness, dug out the Panama Canal, laid down the railroads, raised up the skyscrapers, won two world wars, defeated fascism and communism, and made America the single greatest nation in the history of the world, and you haven't seen anything yet. Haven't seen it. Proud citizens like you help build this country, and together we are taking back our country. We are returning power to you, the American people, with your help, with your devotion and your drive. We are going to keep on working. We are going to keep on fighting. And we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning. You hear that, Sharon? We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together with the incredible people of North Carolina, we will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much. Get out and vote. Vote, vote, vote. So that was riddled with a lot of information. And, you know, I always love watching the ending, even though it's, you know, his closing script. Uh, it is empowering and it is a great summary of what he's doing, how he's doing it and why he's doing it. Uh, so uh, we're going to take a short intermission so we can get some coffee because we got SCOTUS gate to talk about. So let's take a listen to some music while I go refill that coffee. Can you keep me running? Can you keep me running? Can you keep me going? Can you keep me? Can you keep me running? Can you keep me running? Can you keep me going? Welcome back, guys. I hope uh, you guys got your coffee refilled. I did. Um, and we're ready uh, to talk some SCOTUSgate, which um, was kicked off in May, uh, May 5th, just like I had said it would. And um, it's going to be a big doozy right now. And if you remember back in May and June, I said, you know, it'll be a real curveball if this whole... RBG comes now, but at the nth hour, it'll make it a mess. It'll be really messy. And the concern that we have uh, more so in regards to this um, 
whole, you know, RBD death suddenly being announced is um, the time. Because this is a time where we have to be really, really, really careful. Careful in who we put forward. Because what if they are, like all those others, talking a good game? Personally, I don't think... I don't think we need, um, I don't think we need a woman. I'm okay with a man. I just want someone that is going to uphold the constitution at any cost to be impartial and to believe that the foundation of this nation, the constitution that was created to remedy rifts between the colonies back then is the bottom line, the dogma of this nation. Uh, and that is key. If we do not, if we do not have the right SCOTUS pick when this whole, Hey, are these the right votes? This is why we need, we need, um, a new Supreme court justice now before the elections Four four is not going to cut it. We need a breaking, a breaking vote. So I loathe when people say it has to be a woman. I loathe it. I mean, people were crying and screaming. Now they're criticizing President Trump for following the Constitution. Listen, they're trying to steal the election. We need to have the highest court in this land. Five, four. We can't have a 4-4 four, four split. That leaves our nation in what? Limbo? What are we going to do? Blood on the streets? I mean, they're already starting. Take a listen to what Jim Jordan has to say. Welcome back. This morning, we pause to remember Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's extraordinary life and 27-year legacy on the bench. A feminist icon and the leader of the Supreme Court's liberal wing, her passing has the potential to dramatically transform our country's future over the next 44 days leading up to the 2020 election. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan is the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee. He joins me now. Congressman, good morning to you, and it is great to see you good this morning. morning. You too, Maria. Good to be with you. You your reflection on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing and where we are today. Yeah. Well, I think the president said it best. This is, this was an amazing individual who led an amazing life. You know, you think about uh, top in her class at law school, first woman to make law review, then professor. And of course, then uh, nominated and confirmed to the highest court in the land. It's, it's, uh, it's truly an American story uh, where you have someone who had these lofty goals, worked hard, made them all happen, accomplished things of meaning and significance and lasting value. And of course, raise the family while all that's going on. So just an amazing individual. I think, uh, as I said, I think the president summed it up with, with those words last night. Well, you know that uh, the president's critics and skeptics are insane over the president potentially naming another Supreme Court justice. I want to be respectful here, but also yeah. take note of the fact that it is 44 days away from a, a, a presidential election. And Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and the president have tweeted, the president said that it is an obligation for him to name a replacement and to have a vote. Uh, Mitch McConnell saying the same thing. And, and uh, Schumer said the American people should have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled yeah. until we have a new president. Your reaction to what we've heard? No, they're criticizing the president for following the law, for following the Constitution. The president's job is to nominate someone for the Supreme Court. It's then the Senate's job to advise and consent and go through the process. Now, what, what's happened historically? He's not only following the law, Maria. He's following the historic norm. Nine out of 10 times when the party in the White House is the, has, is the same party that's controlling the Senate, nine out of 10 times during an election year, you put someone forward, they get confirmed. But only once out of eight times 
as someone when the when the part when the when there's a difference in the who has who has the White House and who has control of the Senate only one in eight times when someone's been brought forward in an election year. So this is following the law, following the Constitution and frankly, following the historic norms of our country. So I hope we move forward and I hope we put someone in there who is going to respect the Constitution, follow the Constitution, understand the First Amendment and Second Amendment are critically important. That's the kind of justice we need. Two names have emerged from the list of Supreme Court contenders that President Trump is said to be considering uh, following uh, the, uh, the, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The judges Amy Coney Barrett in Chicago mm-hmm. and Barbara Lagoa in Atlanta said to be the top of the list. Your thoughts on, uh, on a replacement and on a vote. Well, What's the timing yeah. on this? Will this vote take place next week in the Senate? Well, that was next week, but that's up to the Senate, that's up to Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham and, and, the, and the Senate. I hope it happens as quickly as possible. I think those those two individuals would be great. But what's most important to me is someone who's going to follow the Constitution. Understand where we're at right now. I mean, think about what we've seen the last last six months. Democrat, Democrat governors, Democrat mayors have said you can't go to church, you can't go to work, you can't go to school, but you can protest, riot and loot. So there's been all kinds of limits on your fundamental liberties, your fundamental rights. We need someone on the court who will respect those liberties, who understands how important the Bill of Rights and the Constitution really are. Uh, that, to me, is what's most important. So um, I-, I think that's what we should focus on. Those two individuals fit that. Uh, I-, I think they would be great, great selections and-, and great additions to the court. I hope we put people on the court in the Scalia, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh mold, and frankly, not in the John Roberts mold. I hope that's what happens. But we should move forward with this. Uh, I think it should happen as quickly as possible. Well, this morning, Nancy Pelosi said she's ready to impeach the president if he actually moves forward with this. We're going to talk about that when we come back. So basically, they hate him for trying to enforce the Constitution is what the summary here is. Yet, you know, it, it makes absolutely no sense as to how. Uh, he shouldn't be doing it. They're out at Lindsey Graham's house. Like, uh, you know, I let the little chat room know about it. Millie Weaver was breaking the story. Uh, you know, they were outside of Lindsey Graham's house because he was like, no, we can't get a SCOTUS pick right before elections, blah, blah, blah. That's true. But now we have a cont- they're contesting. They're going to be contesting the election. They have already started silencing those about elections. And so we need the Supreme Court justice. Here is Tom Cotton. Take a listen. And is on President Trump's shortlist of candidates for the court. Senate Majority Leader McConnell, as we noted, has said flatly that the president's choice, new choice for a justice, will get a vote on the Supreme Court. Senator Cotton, are you talking about a vote on this justice before the election six weeks from Tuesday. Good morning, Chris. Uh, at the outset first, let me express my condolences to Justice Ginsburg's family and my regard for her lifelong dedication to public service. As for your question, the president said he's going to submit a nominee probably as early as this week, and the Senate will exercise our constitutional duty. We'll process that nomination, we'll conduct hearings, we'll be thorough and deliberate and careful, just as we were with the nominations of Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh, we will move forward without delay. Does that mean that there will be a vote to confirm before the election? Chris, there will be a vote. 
there have been some cases like Justice Ginsburg herself in which the nomination and confirmation process took less than 44 days. There have been other cases which it took longer. So it's too soon to say right now, but we will move forward without delay. So you're suggesting that you might have the confirmation vote before the election, but the, uh, the the hearing rather, before the election, but the actual vote after. Let's take a look. You raised it at how long it has traditionally taken the Senate to confirm a new justice. Let's put this up on the screen. Since 1975, the average has been 40 days from when a president nominates a justice till the Senate holds its first hearing and 70 days from nomination to Senate confirmation. We now have 44 days until the election, and there has been no nomination by the president yet. Why the rush to judgment? Chris, we're not going to rush. We're not going to cut corners or skip steps. We're going to move forward without delay. And as I said, there have been some cases in which it's taken fewer than 44 days to include Justice Ginsburg's confirmation process herself, some that it's taken longer. We will move forward without delay in a deliberate fashion. We will process the president's nominee, and I believe that we will confirm that nominee as well. Back in 2016, after Justice Scalia died, President Obama named uh, federal judge Merrick Garland uh, as his new nominee to the court. And as you well know, you were part of the Senate then. Senate Republicans blocked the choice of, of Garland. Uh, here's what you said at that time. In a few short months, we will have a new president and new senators who can consider the next justice the full faith of the American people. Why would we cut off the national debate about this next justice? Why would we squelch the voice of the people? Why would we deny the voters a chance to weigh in on the makeup of the Supreme Court? Now, Garland was nominated nine months before the election. And you were saying then, nine months before the election, it was wrong to deny voters a chance to weigh in. So if it was wrong then, nine months before the election, why is it okay now, six weeks before the election? Chris, in 2014, the American people elected Republic, a Republican majority of the Senate to put the brakes on President Obama's judicial nominations. In 2018, we had a referendum on this question. Just a month before the 2018 midterms, we had the vote on Justice Kavanaugh. It could not have been a clearer mandate because the American people didn't just re-elect Republicans, they expanded our majority. They defeated four Democratic senators who voted against Justice Kavanaugh. They re-elected the one Democratic senator who did vote for Justice Kavanaugh. So we have a clear mandate to perform our constitutional duty. That's what the Senate majority will do now. That's what we did back in 2016 as well. You really don't think there is any hypocrisy at all in saying we need to give voters because, I mean, you can parse the 2014 election, the 2018 election any way you want. But you stated a, a pretty firm principle in 2016 about Merrick Garland. It's wrong to deny voters a chance to weigh in. You don't see any hypocrisy between that position then and this position now? Chris, the Senate majority is performing our constitutional duty and fulfilling the mandate that the voter, voters gave us in 2016 and especially in 2018. I, I just want to, I promise this is the last question on this particular subject. Let's do a thought experiment. You're a lawyer. The, you, you do hypotheticals, or you did when you were in law school. Let's assume if President Trump were to lose in the election six weeks from now, if the Senate were to change hands so that it went from Republicans to Democrats in a lame duck session with a president who'd been defeated and a, and a Republican majority that was about to be out of office, well, some would say the lamest of lame duck sessions. Are you saying you still think it would be proper to vote to confirm President Trump's nominee to the court? Chris, as I said, we're going to move forward without delay and there will be a vote on this nominee. 
But to the point, Donald Trump's going to win re-election, and I believe the Senate Republicans will win our majority back because the American people know that Donald Trump is going to put nominees up for the federal courts who will make who will apply the law, not make the law. Joe Biden's not going to do that. Joe Biden still refuses to even identify who he might nominate. And Joe Biden and Senate candidates like Cal Cunningham in North Carolina and Teresa Greenfield in Iowa need to put their cards on the table. They need to say what they would do in this kind of nomination. Okay, let me ask you one other question about this. Uh, Republicans now have a 53 to 47 vote majority. So you can only afford to lose three Republican senators, assuming all the Democrats oppose the president's nominee uh, and still get, I guess it's going to, we can say she, because the president says it'll be a woman confirmed with Mike Pence breaking the vote. But, but let's look at the tally uh, of where Republican senators stand at this point. In recent days, Senators Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski have both expressed doubts about confirming a justice so close to an election. Chuck Grassley has as well. So the question is, how sure are you, Senator, that Republicans will actually have the 50 votes plus Vice President Pence to confirm a, a Trump nominee? Well, Chris, I'll let all those senators speak for themselves and make their decisions on their timeline. As Mitch McConnell has said, there will be a vote. And I don't think that we should discount Democratic votes either. As I mentioned, the one Democratic senator up for re-election in 2018 who voted for Justice Kavanaugh was re-elected. Now, I know the Democrats are saying radical things right now. Democrats are threatening to ride in the streets. Democrats are already riding in the streets, though. They're threatening to pack the court. They were already threatening to pack the court. Democratic senators can look at what happened in 2018 when four of their colleagues lost their re-election a month after voting for Justice Kavanaugh, and the one who did vote for Justice Kavanaugh got re-elected. So I wouldn't discount Democratic votes at this point either. So the question you have to ask yourself is, are the Democrats going to uh, just vote for whoever uh, the president puts down as the new SCOTUS nominee? That's the question you need to ask yourself. And will we see them jump in and vote so that way they can be reelected. Like he said, if you don't vote for Kavanaugh, you don't get elected. If you vote for Kavanaugh, you get elected. So if you vote for the nominee, you'll get reelected. If you don't, you're not getting reelected. So is this about our justice or them holding their seats? That's a question. I got a couple of minutes left. I want to get to the actual issues at stake here because there are a lot of big issues at stake. You say uh, you're on the record as saying that Roe v. Wade should go. Do you hope and do you expect that if a Trump nominee is confirmed that she will vote to end a woman's right to choose? Chris, I'm pro-life and my views on this are well known and there's no need to restate them at length here. But what President Trump has done is assemble a highly capable pool of jurists on his lists who understand that their job is not to make the law, their job is to apply the law. Beyond that, I can't speculate about the outcomes of hypothetical cases years down the road. But you, you do support the idea, and I assume you would support the idea of a justice voting to end Roe v. Wade. Again, Chris, my views on Roe are well known and they're long standing. I believe Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided because it took that question away from the American people acting through their state legislatures. But beyond that, I can't speculate about the hypothetical outcome of a case that hasn't yet been started. We have to remember that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and with her, she takes over 30 million babies she helped. 
kill. Well, let me let me talk about a case that has been started and that the court is going to hear this term. Uh, there's a lawsuit to overturn Obamacare. Would you hope that a justice appointed by Donald Trump would vote to end to overturn the Affordable Care Act? Well, Chris, I think the Supreme Court got that case wrong eight years ago, especially on the so-called individual mandate, which fined Americans for not being able to afford health insurance. The federal government made it unaffordable in the first place. That's one reason I led the charge in Congress to repeal the individual mandate, which had fined more than seven million Americans. That case, however, is being decided or argued, I should say, right after the election. It's not clear to me yet whether we will have a new justice confirmed. So I can't speculate on how the court's going to rule on that particular case or if this nominee will be seated in time to rule on that case. So uh, finally, <laughs> I was going to ask you, since you are on the president's shortlist, uh, that whether or not you would accept his nomination to the court, uh, given that he now says it's a woman. Do you want to ask him to reconsider or are you OK with a woman on the court? Well, yeah, Chris, I guess we can break some news here that I'm not under consideration since the president said he's going to nominate a woman. And I've already communicated with the White House um, that now is not the time to have me under consideration. I'm on the ballot in Arkansas under Arkansas election law. We're long past the time to change the ballot. So I'm looking forward to working with the president to confirm this nominee to campaign for re-election myself and to re-elect the president, because it's about more than just this single nominee. It's about nominations to the Supreme Court in the future as well. Senator Cotton, thank you. The now vacant seat on the Supreme Court is... Okay, so watch what they say during this report. This is very interesting. Just listen carefully. Already setting up a heated battle on Capitol Hill. Top Democrats are promising nothing will be off the table if Republicans vote on President Trump's nominee before the next term in Congress. So how will the GOP respond? Let's ask Florida Congressman Michael Waltz. Congressman, thanks for being here. Sometime soon, I would suspect in the next couple of weeks, the fight will become who the nominee is. But for now, it's when the nomination comes. How do you respond to the left's charges of hypocrisy? When do you think this nomination should take place? I hope to see the nomination this week. Look, Will, the president has a duty to put this nomination forward. This is why uh, our voters, I was just with a, a great group of Florida Republican voters yesterday. This is why they put uh, the president in office to a large extent. It's certainly why they put Republicans in the Senate. And we have a duty to move this nomination forward. Let me ask you about a foreign policy issue also this morning, and that is the U.S. has reimposed snapback sanctions on Iran, according to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Tell us what this does for the United States. Well, it keeps up the maximum pressure campaign on Iran. This is in response uh, to the fact that the U.N. right now, with the Chinese and with the Russians in their voting on the Security Council, is refusing to keep an arms embargo on the world's largest uh, supporter of, of terrorism. Uh, the Iranian, the Ayatollahs there have pushed uh, their agenda, pushed terrorism all over the Middle East and all over the world. And we have to keep the most advanced Chinese weapons, the most advanced Russian weapons out of their hands. Uh, this will put in place what Secretary Pompeo is talking about is putting in place the snapback sanctions, uh, the fact that the Iranians continue to build missiles, they continue to weaponize, uh, they continue to march towards a nuclear weapon. Uh, right now, they are on their back foot. Uh, I expect uh, when we get the president reelected, they will come back to the table 
and we will get a better deal and we will negotiate from a position of strength. Uh, you know, right now their economy is in shambles. Right. Uh, their current their currency is tanking. The Ayatollahs are struggling. They can't even deliver a payroll to Hezbollah and to some of their other proxies around the region. So again, that coupled with the Israeli UAE Bahrain uh, peace deal. Uh, has us in a very strong position in the Middle East. I think one thing that's been illustrated over the last couple of years during the Trump administration is negotiating from a position of strength is Absolutely. a good place to be negotiating from. Give me just a moment, Congressman, to set up this story. I find it fascinating. Last week, the Pittsburgh Steelers voted as a team to honor a purported victim of social injustice on the back of their helmets. Um, it was a man who was suspected in a drive-by shooting. One member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alejandro Villanueva, chose not to do so, and he put the name of a fallen U.S. soldier, Alwyn Cash, on the back of his helmet. This put the story in the spotlight, Congressman. And from what I understand, you have a bill out um, to award Alwyn Cash, Sergeant First Class, the Medal of Honor. Would you do us a favor and tell us who was Alwyn Cash? Well, you know, I want to salute uh, uh, Alejandro Vill Villanueva for stepping up. These are the types of heroes that we need to be celebrating. He's a former Ranger and a West Point grad and a great player. Sergeant First Class Cash uh, was a true hero and epitomizes the Medal of Honor. He ran back into his burning vehicle, which was hit by an IED and exploded in flames. He ran back in while himself covered in fuel and on fire, not once, not twice, but three times to pull out his men and to save their lives. And when he got to the hospital, he said, take care of them first before me. Eventually he died. We have this bill to get him the Medal of Honor. And I would look really look right. forward to seeing the president putting this uh, in the hands of his family. Oh. It's so deserving. He's an, he's an incredible American. And, um, and it's a great move by you okay. as well, Congressman. Thank you so much. So what you saw is here, here they start to talk about the Supreme Court nomination and they shift. Why? The question is, why is it that everyone's avoiding answering the hard questions of who, what, when, where, and how? Now, just about a little over a week ago, right, guys? We heard the president making a short list of his Supreme Court justices. Now, I told you back in February that SCOTUSgate is going to put Obamagate, Spygate, all the gates to shame. Because it shows what I've been saying for a long time. Yes, an executive office for decades now, the executive office, has always been politicized. And the legislative branch corrupt beyond belief. But in order for the corrupt legislative branch to puppeteer the executive branch, they must be supported by the judicial. Now, the judicial branch has been one of the most corrupt branches we have. And that is supposed to be the foundation of our nation. Now, it was only a few years ago. It was 2017, in January of 2017, where the Vatican took over some leadership, leadership of the Knights of Malta. Very interesting. Very interesting. Because, you know, there's a lot going to be coming out soon on uh, Chief Justice Roberts. Now, what should be coming out is the phone calls they had at the beginning of January of 2017 before President Trump was elected. The advice he gave, the guidance he provided to the Obama administration and 
the leftover Obama administration after uh, the inauguration to assist in impeachment. Now, I've also told you that while they contest the courts, uh, while they contest the votes in the courts, imagine if they didn't have another SCOTUS, um, this would be a concern. See, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to come out like she had to come out now because she would have been called upon in November. And it would be really, really difficult to pull someone out that doesn't exist. Just saying. May God forgive her when she was gone. We already had that show, so no need in talking about it. But now she had to come to the surface. They had to accept the death. They had to call it and pull that pin because it was time. They would be, man- they would be mandating her presence soon. So it would have been difficult for them to hide it. Oh, hmm. Huh. So where do we go? Um, where do we go in regards to nomination? So everyone's talking about Amy Coney Barrett, and she's religious, Christian, firm, against abortion. Roe versus Wade was very wrongfully put through. I mean, they helped murder babies. Women were crying on TikTok and other apps because they're not allowed to kill babies. It was the most disgusting thing I had ever seen. People crying because they don't have the right to kill babies. It's the most insane thing ever. Now, the press secretary actually answered a lot of questions in regards to the preview of the Supreme Court nomination. It was a very interesting interview. Um, Maria's got her work cut out for her. Take a listen. Promising a female replacement for late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. A few names already appearing as favorites for the nomination. Uh, On President Trump's list, Judges Amy Coney Barrett, Barbara Lagoa, and Allison Jones rushing uh, uh, among the top contenders. Joining me right now is White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany. And Kaylee, it is great to see you this morning. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Uh, Your your reaction to the president's work on this, when do you expect we will have a uh, a name which, of course, will will get a vote in the Senate? Yes, you'll hear from the president who his nominee is this week, certainly. Um, And there's precedent for this. Uh, Unlike the last time around when Justice Scalia uh, passed Last time, you had Republicans who were in the Senate. You had a Democrat president. Now we have an emboldened Republican majority elected in 2014, expanded the majority going to 2018. Um, So you have unified government in that sense between the Senate and the president. Uh, So the president is doing what is his constitutional obligation, and you'll hear that name shortly. But, but Kaylee, do you think that there's time? I mean, you're talking about, what, 44 days until Election Day. Will that person get the time to get the vetting to get into a uh, into the Senate for a vote and and, and perhaps uh, get conclusion on this before the election? What's your time? We do. Th- 
Yeah, we do think that there's time. Uh, we honor Justice Ginsburg legacy today um, and going forward. Uh, but she was confirmed in 42 days. There are justices that have been confirmed in shorter time than that. So there is time to do this. Um, but it means putting forward that name. It will be a highly qualified woman. The president's confirmed that it will be a woman. And we do believe with 53 votes in the Senate that we can get this through and that Republican senators will unite uh, behind what will be a very qualified nominee. You know, you, you know that Nancy Pelosi and the president's critics are insane over this. They do not want him to name another Supreme Court justice, which, which would be his third uh, an incredibly consequential presidential administration. This is I mean, Nancy Pelosi. Boy, is she disgraceful by even entertaining the idea of impeachment, impeaching the president for doing his constitutional duty and obligation. The two worst things that happened to Democrats were Justice Kavanaugh and impeachment. And now they want to potentially combine the two. Really bad idea from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, unsurprising, though, to hear that kind of partisan, bizarre, disgraceful game gamemanship uh, from the speaker. So the president has talked about him probably naming a woman. He said it's going to be a woman this weekend. What other qualifications is he looking for? How uh, how specific in terms of the constitutionality is he wanting to, to name someone? Is he looking for a true constitutionist is what I'm really trying to say, Kayla. Yes, that's absolutely what he's looking for. I've spoken to him about this a few times. He wants a constitutionalist, a textualist, an originalist, uh, someone who will uh, put fidelity to the Constitution as a top priority, who will interpret the, the statutes and their plain meaning, the plain meaning of the words there, not try to reinvent the will of Congress or the words of our Constitution and our founding fathers. Uh, so he wants someone in the ilk of Justice Thomas and Justice Alito and the other great justices um, that President Trump has appointed uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Kaylee, there are questions over the TikTok deal. I know the president approved this agreement in concept, but national security threat remains a concern. This is what keeps coming up in terms of the data potentially going to the CCP. This is the first president that has really poked back on China and its bad behavior of the Communist Party. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what you think of this deal, but you're still having a Chinese company, ByteDance, owning at least 30 percent of this TikTok global after the transaction. Doesn't that make it vulnerable for the CCP to order data being sent, sent to them? So I won't get ahead of the president and formally announcing that deal. He said we have the workings of a deal. But rest assured, Maria, that this president is putting the safety of the American people first. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party having access to the data of millions of Americans is not a tenable situation. Uh, but I'll leave it to him to announce exactly what that deal looks like. Meanwhile, we're still deadlocked over a new relief package. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle deadlocked over a package. But the president indicated last week that he could support a bigger spending pledge. This also, you know, opens the question of the next Supreme Court justice, because if you're talking about four on one side, four on the other side, Kaylee, what if we have a contested election? What about, you know, a CARES 2 package? We're not going to get any decisions here or anything that goes up to the Supreme Court if we don't have a ninth uh, judge in there. Where are we on a spending package, Kaylee? 
Yeah, so on the spending package, unfortunately, we're where we were last week, which is the speaker playing games on the backs of the American people. Um, she's been fundamentally unserious this entire time. Uh, she's put forward an unserious proposal, and you know she asked for a certain amount for school funding. We exceeded that, and then she rejected the number that exceeded her own number. It's just bizarre the way she's been trying to go about this. That's why the president took action on evictions and unemployment insurance. Uh, but Nancy Pelosi needs to come to the table. As you noted, the president said he's willing to go up in his number, uh, but Nancy Pelosi's not willing to come to the middle or to really even seriously come to the negotiating table. Well, by the way, congratulations to President Trump for being nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, thanks to his incredible work overseeing new Middle Eastern promise uh, with regard to Israel and normalized relations there. Nancy Pelosi also last week called it a distraction, Kaylee. She said, I'm glad the president has a distraction when, in fact, you've got for the first time in decades, the United Arab Emirates, now Bahrain, recognizing Israel. And do you expect Oman and Kuwait to be behind and also uh, poised to do the same? Yeah, the president said there's a number of other countries uh, that he thinks will um, come on, come to this Middle East peace agreement. Um, so we'll see which countries those are. But what I will say is this, I mean, calling it a distraction, Middle East peace. I mean, that's just absolute crazy talk when this is Middle East peace, normalization of relationships. Uh, the first time in 26 years this has happened. And in the span of 29 days, the president does not just two peace deals, but a third one, economic normalization for Serbia and Kosovo. Uh, those two Nobel Peace Prize nominations were well-deserved, and we'll see which other countries um, come into the fold and, and go the way of peace. And it's all under the leadership of President Trump. All right. So uh, our press secretary did a pretty good job uh, talking about it. I just wanted to give you some breaking news. Some woman was arrested at the New York-Canada border uh, just a little while ago, and um, she's... Uh, being detained because she sent she sent a chemical substance uh raisin risin risin r-i-c-i-n is uh what it's called you pronounce it as you want it's actually quite toxic and uh she sent it to the white house and uh they arrested her at the border she's still an unnamed woman um, you know, uh, she's in custody, according uh, to AP. Uh, she was arrested at the border. So maybe she was running and she's expected to face federal charges. Uh, I mean, it's incredible that, you know, there's a lot of mail that goes to the White House. And before it reaches to whoever you're sending it to, a lot of people go through it. So apparently that letter, the FBI had said that uh, they arrested her because they believe uh, she sent the letter that had um, that substance. Um, she was... Um, at the U.S.-Canada border on the bridge, the Peace Bridge, that's where they arrest her. So it's unclear, um, you know, if they're going to have her. But the mail was actually addressed to the president. So um, it's obviously not that substance. I'm pretty sure it's something else. Remember, they had sent white substances to Don Jr. before his divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was really weird, right? White substance was sent Don Jr. And then a couple months later, he got divorced. And then I'm just pointing something out. 
So um, that's pretty much uh, what they found. They screen all the mail in the well, where in in the white uh, that goes to the White House. Not only screen it for substances, but who's going to see it and if they want someone to see it. So RBG um, is interesting that it's happening now because Chief Justice Roberts, with all this declassification, will be coming up to the forefront very soon. Now, a lot of people have heard me talk about Malta many times. And, um, you know, that is a crown slash now Vatican uh, embraced uh, organization. People that have been part of that organization are many, um, like all the Bushes, including Jeb Bush, Prescott Bush, right? Uh, Rudy Giuliani, Alan Greenspan, J. Edgar Hoover, Joe Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy, Kissinger, Pataki, Peterson, uh, Antonin Scalia. Mm-hmm. He was also part of it. George Tenet, right? our 18th director of central intelligence back then, right? Ted Turner, General Willoughby, General Westmoreland, uh, General Zinni. Um, <laughs> you know who that is, right? They used to call him the godfather. He was the special envoy for the United States to Israel and the Palestinian Authority. Uh, so, you know, other famous people that are part of this, like, little group is King Juan Carlos of Sain that left in the middle of the night right before the Beirut implosion, right? Ran away. Nelson Mandela, Rupert Murdoch, Mr. Fox himself, Juan Peron, he was the 30th, no, 29th and 40th president of Argentina, uh, Berscalini. Uh, he was the prime minister of Italy, Tony Blair. That's a, and you know who else? Hitler's chief of German police in the Reich, Ministry of Interior, Heinrich Himmler, right? So those are the people that are part of this order that's supposedly part of some other order called the Jesuit order, that's a whole other conversation, okay? But the key here is back in 2012, after Chief Justice Roberts sold out America by making Obamacare, I guess, solidifying it, he joked he actually joked about how he was heading to Malta to, ex to escape people talking about him, criticizing him. And um, he decided to um, go to the fortress and, you know, kind of take cover there and, you know, not be in the public eye. Uh, he refused to ask questions. But when he was in Malta, Chief Justice Roberts met up with um, Grandmaster Festig of Britain. 
And, um, you know, they, they were really happy with him, congratulating him on this socialist achievement. Uh, actually, the person that congratulated him in public was a guy named Herman Van Rappuy of Belgium. He's a Bilderberg leader, and, and uh, at the time, he was the president of the European Council. Um, this fortress that he went to is the Mediterranean island of Malta that he was saying. And um, it's where um, the Knights and the Crusaders went after their defeat in Jerusalem. And that is where they would be. In, in fact, George Bush uh, Sr. in 1989 had met with Mikhail Gorbachev there. Um, in, it was, um, I think it was in the Marina there and, um, that's where they were, uh, they went on a boat and they sat down and talked, uh, Raisa, um, the wife of, uh, Gorbachev, uh, actually, uh, left and she was taken, uh, to view the historic St. John Chapel there. And you know what is weird? That that chapel, if you ever have the opportunity to go to that tiny little nation, uh, there's a statue of the Virgin Mary, Jesus's mother, and she's holding like holding forward Jesus as a baby. But where she stands is the exact spot where they used to have a temple to that was devoted to the goddess um, worship of Lilith and some satanic stuff. I kid you not. Cause I asked the question and was like, well, why is she there? Like, right. This was the grounds where they used to do sacrifices for like the woman goddess and stuff. That's just so bizarre. Well, uh, unreported news on that is that um, the Vatican has now embraced and taken over. I guess the papacy had always had a position in there, but, uh, never grabbed it per se. It's um, it's pretty in incredible. Um, you know, Chief Justice Roberts, when he made that decision about Obamacare, ran away. And even um, shortly after the decision where he wrote the positive and the negative, he wrote most of it, but nobody knows who wrote it, which is so weird. Anyway, um, he went to a conference in Pennsylvania uh, the following Friday of, um, you know, after they passed it the next Friday. Right. And there were like three to five hundred judges there. And he didn't answer any questions about the decision to make Obamacare legit. He just said, you know, um, it, it doesn't bother him that he can't answer questions because he didn't want to answer them. But he he said, and I quote, Malta, as you know, is an impregnable island fortress. It seemed like a good idea. And that's the bizarre part is that that fortress was called an impregnable fortress um, to escape by those that were causing harm, you know, back in the day. It's just so bizarre that he would, um, you know, uh, select that place to go to. Now, I can go into the history of his wife and their adopted children and the scams they did. I, I, I can do that. Um, but I think I should have Buff on so we can talk about those societies. 
um, at another time. I think maybe I'll have him on this week and we'll do a special on that. Uh, he is, uh, you know, Buff has some really um, good insight on it and you can hear his bouncing idea, idea, not ideas, but facts from each other. I've been to Malta. I've been there. I've seen it. Um, and like I said, it's creepy. So why am I talking about Chief Justice Roberts? Well, like I said, FISA warrants were requested to be declassified. And so if they're going to be declassified, uh, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of revelations in regards to how the FISA warrant idea came to cover up what they were doing. So, um, this is a very important factor uh, because it'll start showing these secret conversations uh, that they had um, in order to get this job done. Now, this would go back to the overcollection, 702 overcollections, and it would go back to uh, the, I would say, um, manifestation of falsely putting forward information to judges that remember the chief justice oversees. So if chief justice Roberts oversees the FISA court and all this happened under his nose, and he was already advising the Barack Hussein Obama administration about the FISA court. First of all, that's a conflict of interest. Second of all, it was knowingly and willingly done. You get it? So this is how um, he's going to be coming out. Now, will they tell us that they've had her on ice for a very long time? Will they put it out? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. There is a timeline where it all comes out that she had been and someone covered up and, and that's how it all reveals itself and brings out uh, the Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, that kind of stays nestled away because um, such treasonous activities can be demonstrated in different avenues too. So Chief Justice Roberts knew that they were spying on the Trump campaign and on President Trump and everyone in his orbits and other people that were in the extended orbits. And he was advising Barack Hussein Obama, Susan Rice, Clapper, Brennan, Lynch. Why are we not talking about Lynch? Where is she? Nobody, anybody want to do a health check on Loretta Lynch, please? Right? So he was complacent and complicit all of these inner workings and this scam to impeach the president. He was in on it. He was in on it from the beginning before it blew up. He was the one that gave the idea of the special counsel. He did it. So those conversations are documented. And now you're going to say, well, who's going to say that he did it? Well, I mean, if we have their communications, pretty sure we have his communications. It's not like he can call the White House spider phone and, you know, not be recorded. So the fact is, are they going to take the route of the conspiracy route, which is 
fact, but say, hey, Supreme Court justice, you're in a lot of trouble because you let the world think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still alive when she wasn't. Hence why in May, both you and her were hurt. You hit your head. She was in the hospital again. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Remember that? Mm -hmm. May 5th, kind of like right on the money. On the date, I told you the exact date because that's a fixed point in time. So are we going to go that route or are we going to go the route? Oh, look at that. We got FISA D class. Wait a minute. Chief Justice Roberts, aren't you in charge of the FISA court? So you knew that they were going to give them false information because you colluded with them about the false information, gave them legal and jurisprudence guidelines, right? This is how you work the system. This is how you need to put it together. This is how my judges who are in the highest and most secretive courts of the land, aside from the Supreme court, which is not secretive, uh, in order to get them to sign, this is what you have to do. Hmm. I think that's the route we're going to take. Because that D-class will show it all. I think that is the route to take. Because it's going to be a really hard thing to do to convince the others that they've been conspiring and keeping her on life support, per se, life support, right? They're going to have to explain how she got organ transplants when she's way too old to be on a list. I don't care how important you think you are. There's a list and there's children that are waiting for it. They're going to have to explain that. They're going to have to start explaining about clones and twins and all this stuff. They're going to have to start explaining these fake workout videos that they were doing, fake pictures, photoshopping pictures at weddings and officiations, all these lies, lies, and lies. I think that one is one that all of us that say, well, conspiracy theory, not so much. I mean, they said Epstein was a conspiracy theory. What's up? But Clinton body count conspiracy theory, not so much. Clinton foundation conspiracy theory, not so much. It was all true. This would be a good way to show just how nasty, evil, disgusting, and to what extent they would go. But I guess we're going to take the more civilized route and use the court system, which, in fact, should terrify everyone. I mean, it's supposed to be the backstop. It's supposed to be the catch-all, the judicial branch that says, up, 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 up. U.S. Constitution, U.S. law, we follow it to the T. We're supposed to be the ones interpreting the law, right, and applying it. Yet we are the corrupt ones that we're advising people how they can skirt it, knowingly and willingly providing this advice. This is your chief justice of the Supreme Court. That's disgusting. I believe that's the route we have to take. Or else we can go into the more, hey, what about those children? Hey, what about Mina Mina Roberts? Hey, what about covering up someone that's been dead. What about being in on it and hiring the right people to get it done? Hey, that was your court. You were supposed to be in charge. So which one are we going to do? Are we going to do the whole, hey, we helped Barack Hussein Obama find a way with his team to create this dossier to obfuscate their crimes and then use that dossier the way I told them to or guided them to or gave them legal advice to in order for the judges of the FISA court, which, by the way, they went to the corrupt one, Judge Collier, because let's not forget, Judge Collier almost 
25 days before she signed the first FISA warrant, she was in that court spanking Brennan, spanking Clapper, Comey, Lynch, all of them bent over, smacked on the bum. You messed up. You have been spying. Why have you been spying on these people for so long? Carlin's like, oh, here's my, you know, my certifications for it. And, um, okay, I'll resign now because we've been spying. So she knew that they were spying on the Trump campaign. She knew they were spying on Carter Page. She knew they were spying on everyone. And yet she still freaking signed the first FISA warrant. If that's not corrupt, I don't know what is. She signed it. She signed it. She knowingly signed it. There's no like, oh, maybe she didn't know. Oh, she totally did because she was in that courtroom. I wrote about it. It's on Big League Politics. I'll rewrite about it. And then she wrote this memorandum of opinion, uh, you know, in 2017. Oh, it was just so horrible. They just didn't do their job. Yet you signed it. You signed it. It doesn't matter. You knowingly signed it. You already knew they were spying and you signed it. So what? how does this tie in with RBG? This is it. Do we expose the fact that they had someone that's been dead for a while playing like they're alive because they wanted to play politics? What do we do? Do we go that route and freak people out that everything they see is fake? They're already losing it. You can't go that way. Not right now. There's so much happening, man. It's just eight more years. I'm just telling you it's eight more years. He's got eight more years. I got eight more years. I'm just telling you there is so much out there and it's going to be bam, 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 bam. It's going to be nonstop, nonstop. So think about it. Do you tell the world <laughs> that everybody and their mother is against them? I mean, you know, that she wasn't really there, that people can't believe their own eyes because obviously you didn't see her with your eyes, right? I mean, you could have if she was a twin. Do we go that route? Or do we, and do we show that the rest of the Supreme Court justices, well, the chief justice for anything, were part of it? I mean, with COVID, she was able to hide out, right? So that's one. The other one is the one that we're going to take, which is exposing the Supreme Court justices through the FISA warrants. That's all we can do right now. It just, it sounds so nuts to say that they've had her on the side and everyone played along and they'd have someone made up to look like her. You can't do it. We know it's a movie. We know it's all fake. We know it. I mean, ask me. I've been there, done it. So we already know it. We know what's going on with Joe. Are we going to get our Scooby-Doo moment? I don't know. He might not show up, you know, drug test and all, and he's going to want a teleprompter and I'm going to be in that room. I'm just saying there's a teleprompter. Be sure to report on that. So did all the justices know that RBG was on ice? Did all of them know? I highly doubt that. That would only stay within their circles. I think Thomas would know. Clarence Thomas would have said something. I'm pretty sure. I don't think all the justices knew. Uh, you better believe that the chief justice did. He is. So here it comes. I mean, the 17th Constitution Day was crazy. We got FISA de declassification. Should have happened yesterday. Maybe it's happening today. Um, 
We'll see. Because I wrote the article on September 20th, 2018. What you're going to see, supposed to be two years to the date. Pretty, pretty spot on. Scotus Gate is going to put everything else to shame. I'm pretty sure we're not going to walk the aisle, you know, and take the avenue, I guess, of she was on ice. Chief Justice knew. Reporters knew. Everybody knew. Because that's just two way out there for people to understand it. Um, we're going to take the route, though, of the corruption, which is, you know, okay, she's dead now. Let's just accept that she died now. Whatever. We all know what the truth is. But because you covered that up, now with the FISA D-class and with all these declassifications that are happening, you're going to be exposed. So you're going to pick, you're going to resign or you're going to go down in history just like Lincoln's chief justice of the Supreme Court. You got to pick because we can issue warrants for the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Lincoln did it. So who is one of the favorites to come out? So there's talk about Amy becoming uh, the new uh, Supreme Court judge. She's Christian. She's against Obamacare. Well, using it for birth control, I think socializing anything is bad. Uh, she's against Roe versus Wade. They keep saying that she's against LGBTQ. That's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. I'm not understanding why uh, that's happening, but hey, whatever. <laughs> so they have her as the top of the list, which is pretty interesting because that kind of tells me that it may not be her. Uh, even though she was on the list before, it may not be her only because uh, they are, I don't know, they already had their stab at her. They already pulled out a lot of things. I mean, Amy seems pretty legit. I, I've seen some of her pieces back in the day when they were looking, and she was on the short list with Kavanaugh too. Uh, but, um, you know, she's, uh, she's, she's okay. Um, but you know, the question that people are saying is that, um, Amy Barrett will recuse herself if there's any positions held by the Pope. So if the Pope says something that she'll recuse herself not to go against him, I mean, I don't know if that actually, um, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, is real. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 you know, this is reporting. I don't know. I have my, um, my sources and there's another woman that is in there, but, um, I'm not going to mention her name. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see if president Trump actually puts her forward. Now I thought she would have taken, uh, chief justice, um, Roberts position. So it'll be quite interesting to see. Now, another quite interesting thing to see is how everyone is coming around saying things that we've been saying for a while. Um, McMaster was on 60 minutes, right? And, um, yesterday, and he was talking about how there is a deep state and it's working against president Trump. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, they're all generals. We know that. So that's all coming forward. Now, I'll do uh, a show. I'm going to call Buff, actually, tomorrow morning and see if he's up for it. Because uh, we won't have anything um, 
we'll have something today and then Wednesday. Tomorrow will be kind of lull, uh, but it'll be very interesting. I'm just saying it's going to be super interesting. Uh, what's coming is going to be very interesting. Um, but I will have Buff on. We'll talk secret society. We'll get into Malta, the Knights of Malta. Uh, that'll be uh, quite interesting. And we're going to get back into Iran because that's coming full circle right now with all that crap going on in the Eastern Mediterranean, which will be something we will be discussing tomorrow uh, as there is a meeting. Actually, it should be over now. Um about Turkey, Cyprus, Israel, Egypt, Lebanon, Libya, Syria, all discussing. Something's really brewing fast there, and uh, it'll be quite interesting. So there's two huge things. One, today should be coming out. I am hoping that it is the FISA D-class today uh, that was uh, ordered on the 17th. But... um. You know, Justice Roberts is going to have some explaining to do, some explaining to do about his friends, his circle of friends, his preference of travels um, and what he knows. And, you know, maybe we'll get some Mina Mina Arkansas back into the picture. I mean, they're always uh, coming around together. On that note, I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. So yesterday I had a Twitch movie night. So the way it works is, is if you're an Amazon Prime member, then we are able to watch a movie that's on Amazon Prime together. So I can stream it, we can watch it and comment. So um, uh, if you're, if you have Prime, uh, you can, you know, jump on Twitch and connect your Prime account. That way you can watch the movie. Those that are not Prime members could only hear the audio. So I think we need to go over some um, some movies that tell you a lot. Because the one thing people, um, I hope, took away from yesterday was the what if question. So we watched a version of H.G. Wells' Time Machine and the questions in that that were supposed to be posed, one was the fact that um, humans are very resilient. But also, you cannot go back and change the past after the past has been done. So if I'm, you know, if I'm a time traveler, right? And right now I break a vase that I love. I can't turn back the hands of time and go back to avoid breaking that vase because it'll still break. Maybe not in the same way, but it will still do it. Now, um, if though I travel forward in time and I see that the vase will break in my present time, I can then make changes to ensure the vase doesn't break. Your past can never be changed. It can only prove the future. Your past is your future. It is a reflection of your future. And one thing that came clear from that was to tell you that the reason that they want to eradicate history is from the old saying, history repeats itself. They don't want you to see repetition now that you understand. They want you to think that there is change, that there is something different. This is actually the definition of insanity. If you try something again and again and it constantly fails and you get the same outcome, then just doing it again is insane. And these 
leaders, these groups, these cliques throughout time, their predecessors, ancestors, descendants, you name it, constantly doing the same thing as if they're going to get a different result. Nothing can stop what's coming. But this time, with people understanding, well, that the present was necessary in order to change the future, there is control. And the more people collectively, that's how you make a difference. It has to be collective. It could be one person, one person, two people, a group of people, less than 10 maybe. I'm just saying that rally up the people to want the change because you can't change your future if you don't want it. And if you think your past is fine, then you're not going to change the future. You're happy with your trajectory. Uh, that's key. So, um, and those of you that are Amazon Prime members, we'll be looking at a goodie but oldie uh, labyrinth because that tells you a lot there too, even though it was puppets and whatnot, David Bowie, <laughs> Bowie, Bowie, whatever. Um, it's important to understand that there's a lot out there when you see it with eyes, with knowledge that comes out differently. So for those of you that can't join, I'm really sorry about that. I mean, you have to be a prime member. I can't change that. Um, so I apologize. And it's not like anybody can stream anything without getting dinged for, you know, um, copyrights. You can't like stream movies. Uh, you know how that is. So don't be salty with me because I can't. Um, so on that note, I wanted to say we're going to be doing that. I'm going to get buff in and hold on to your seats because hopefully today we'll get one of the two out loud and the other one uh, more creepy, creeping. It'll creep in. It'll creep in. Uh, keep an eye on our president. Uh, there is a lot that's going to be coming. Um, you know, obviously today we've already nominated anarchist jurisdictions of Portland, Seattle, and New York, which is insane to to have your city labeled as a jurisdiction with anarchists, that's like identifying the place of domestic terrorism. That's like giving the jurisdiction of terrorists like we do for like Al-Qaeda. That is a very big deal. I guess the words are different. It's anarchist jurisdiction, but that just means domestic terror. New York City, Portland, and Seattle are anarchist jurisdictions. That means that they have been deemed by the Justice Department festering for anarchy and domestic terrorism. That's a very big deal. That is a boom, if anything. Like, when has that ever happened? Hey, New York City, you're the ghetto of domestic terrorism. Boom. Whoever stays there and does business with you will die. There are no regulations. There is nothing. And we can't help because the mayor doesn't want to. So you will stay there and you will burn. Guys, that's my hometown. I was born and bred there. This is killing me. Portland, Seattle. I mean, aren't they ashamed? Where are the citizens of these cities that are not anarchist? Where are they? Why aren't they speaking up? They're allowing this to happen. And if they say, well, what can I do? Oh, you can do a lot. You just don't want to. That's the problem. You could do a lot. So as you sit there thinking that someone's going to save you, no one's going to save you. And when it comes down to it, and maybe we have no power, and maybe we have no running water for a few days, no food, no banking for a few days, it's just completely blacked out, completely, for maybe, I don't know, like 10 days or whatnot. 
Who's going to save you in Portland? Who's going to save you in Seattle? Who's going to save you in New York City? That's what you got to think about. Who is going to save you as you sit there silently and let them terrorize on the streets because they're butt hurt? No one's going to save you. So it's up to you to save yourself. Now, Minneapolis isn't that bad. We have the... <laughs> We have some really good stuff, uh, some good people out there. That's not going anywhere. We just uh, deported thousands of illegal Somalis and Kenyans, just so you know. Hence why Ilhan Omar is so salty. But um, that's why, that's, I, I, I think that's how we should end today because uh, we do have a lot coming. Oracle and Walmart buying TikTok concerns me, but they are U.S. headquartered companies, so there's more control over that. Um, so let's just keep... Uh, let's just pay attention to what the president has to say today. I know he's going to take it easy, but um, let's see what he's going to do today. I mean, I'm smiling. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but <laughs> on that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. God bless. I will see you later. Okay. I will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. <laughs> Let me know to say, let me